Today's Unashamed Alcoholic guest is former football running back Alex Green. Alex played for the Green Bay Packers, New York Jets, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I found Alex online and saw that he was really open about his journey through early sobriety. I was really looking forward to seeing why he decided to share and what the response has been like as an athlete. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Alex. Alex, thank you so much for joining me to chat on the Unashamed Alcoholic today. I've been really looking forward to connecting with you and to talk all things sobriety. I love it. No, it's uh, it's an honor. You know, I always talk story about our struggles, our journeys, you know, our strength, experience, hope, you know, and hopefully get the message out to somebody else that's struggling. So it's an honor. It's a privilege. Exactly. I mean, that's all that we can hope for is sharing our story. We'll, we'll help one other person out there. That's, that's the goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you talk about sobriety, do you, I'm always curious about the language people use when they talk about it. Do you say you're in recovery, you're sober, you're an addict, you're an alcoholic. What, what's the language you use around it? It depends who's asking or who I'm talking to. You know, it always it always varies. Uh, when I talk to my close friends who really know, I tell them, "Hey, look, man, I'm an addict. You know, and I'm recovering. You know, like I, I'm, you know, I'm sober now. You know, when I talk to uh, I go to AA meetings. You know, I talk to my sponsor and whatnot. People who understand the program. You know, say I'm a grateful recovering addict. When I introduce myself, you know, um. But overall, you know, I like to, like, I take pride in being sober because, and a lot of people kind of, I had a guy ask me the other day, like, you know, what has sobriety done for you? And it's not really about being sober. It's about what being sober allows me to accomplish, you know, and allows the fears for me to get over and the doubt that I had, you know, and I was using because I wanted like a certain piece. I want to feel a certain piece and to get away from all of that. But honestly, it brought me more anxiety, brought me more feel and guilt and shame. Mm. And so being sober allows me to live life, you know, free of those distractions that I had in order to accomplish what I want to accomplish. Because we, in my opinion, we all great. We all have something about us that's like a gift or a talent that can be used in the world. And I always beat myself up, you know, I'm my own worst critic. And I always knew that I had some in me that was more. I can do more. And I just couldn't figure out how, how to tap into it, you know, until I put the, the drink and the drug down. And so it just allows me to live life, you know, more abundantly, you know, um, make better decisions. You know, I'm able to communicate properly and really tap and be more in tune with myself, you know, in order to when opportunities do come up, you know, it gives me a more a better fighting chance to to tap into it and and, and, and really try to make something special happen, you know, for myself, my family. So exactly. it just opened a lot of pathways for me. Yeah. I mean, that's what's, that's, what's hard for a lot of people who don't go through this to understand it's, it's not just like physically not drinking or not doing drugs or whatever it may be. It's like your entire life changes because now suddenly you're present and you can make better decisions and be ready for whatever happens. So that's, I think that's a, you, you know, when you say that person asked you that, like, it's a really good response. Like, either it's a really hard thing to explain what it does for you right right and it was hard to explain to him you know um and i get what he was saying because he was struggling and he wanted to you know he wanted to start taking his steps to becoming sober and and living a better life for him and i just kind of try to explain to him the best way i could about you know like the not drinking and drugging is great you know just for health reasons Mm -hmm. you know taking the body physically but the emotional part of it is Mm life-changing it's night and day 
you know, I mean, I wake up nowadays and, you know, I sometimes I'd be tired, a little sluggish, but I always think to myself, man, if I was drinking last night, how tired would I be? You know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, you know what I mean? I wake I up some days, man, just being grateful that I can wake up sober and have an opportunity to fight today. Exactly. Exactly. Because you don't have anything to cover up, you know, you have to feel all those feelings and like get through whatever the day has to throw at you. And I went to bed at like midnight last night and I felt like garbage waking up at <laughs> seven this morning. I thought, I actually thought, Oh my God, like how did I used to do this when I was drinking? Like <laughs> how did I get through these days? How you, you've, you've talked about, you know, I've seen articles where you've talked about you were this many days sober this many, and you post on Twitter sometimes like, you know, the, the, the milestones you reach do you still are you celebrating days do you do months like what are how do, how do you measure that now um i'm in months now um i started going from days to months when i reached six months mm. um and that was more because i mean it's really one day at a time you know mm-hmm. i still know how many days i have but for me you know uh hitting the milestones would get my chips you know they get the chips out and they have the who has a burning desire to stay sober for 24 hours, then they go to seven days. Um, you know, then they go up to the months and whatnot. And so I got nine months on the 11th of That's this amazing. month. A couple of days, uh, I have nine months. Congratulations. You know? Thank you. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh I just honestly I take it one day at a time, you know. Um, uh, I know it's like a cliche. Mm-hmm. But it helps me stay in the moment. It helps me stay present in the moment with everything else. Around, not even just being sober for today, which is awesome. But it helps me stay in the moment with everything else. You know, something as little as like sending an email that might give me anxiety to send a four-page email to someone to get a grant for something or to reach out to somebody for an opportunity to go speak or whatnot. Whatever it may be that give me anxiety before, if I just take it like one day, one task, one fight at a time, like it just brings everything down and it, it kind of shrinks the overload and it keeps me from being overwhelmed and I can handle things. And when I look back, I was talking to another friend the other day and uh, like, man, you accomplished so much in just a short period of time. But for me, it's like, you know, the days are long, you know, but the weeks are short. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like, for me, I'm like, no, I got to accomplish so much more. I got to do this, this and that. But when I look back at it, you know, I have accomplished some great things, you know, but I literally took it just one day at a time. You know, yeah. and once I once I keep that mindset, just being in the moment, you know, easier said than done. But when I stay in the moment, I'm able to do more, you know, in a short period of time than I would be able to in a long period of time. If that makes sense. You know? No, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny that you say like the one day at a time, like because it and how it works for, you know, so many aspects of our lives. And I think a lot of the steps of AA, like <laughs> every single person should do the steps of AA, whether you're in recovery or not, because it's so personally beneficial. Like it just makes you reflect on how you've lived your life, what, how you approach people, you know, apologizing. Oh my God. Like <laughs> the yeah. miracle of being able to say you're sorry for something. <laughs> Right. Right. No, it's huge. It's huge. You know, everyone uh, should do them, you know, and you've mentioned AA, you mentioned the chips, you mentioned a sponsor. I I get a lot of blowback when I talk about AA and like, obviously just me in AA and because people are like, oh, you're supposed to be anonymous. And like, (laughs) 
I can tell my story. I can't tell other people's stories. What's your, like, what's been the reaction to that for you? Like, do you, you know, do you feel, do you get the same thing? Do you like, how do you feel about sharing about that side of things? Um, there's two sides of it. There's a side that is positive and support, you know, and people reach out, um, athletes, non-athletes, all different mm-hmm. walks of life that either share their story or they're on the same journey. And it's encouraging, you know, it's, it's, it's like it's uplifting, you know, mm-hmm. and it lets me know that I'm not alone. They're not alone, you know, and there's some people that reached out to me on a high platform that's like, hey, man, I've been struggling, you know, and I'm glad you came out with your story because I'm not ready to come out with my story yet publicly because of what everybody thinks or what they're going to say or how they're going to judge me, you know. Mm. So it helps me know that I'm doing the right thing. Then there's the other side that come with it where you get the backlash, you know, you get the, um, like you said, it's supposed to be unanimous, um, you know, uh, don't, don't brag and boast about a personal uh, struggle, you know, which is like, wait, what? I can share my successes, but I can't share my struggles. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't that. You know, um, and then there's some people who, you know, I had a few people, man, who, who just call me fraud, you know, just telling me flat out that I'm lying about it, you know. And I've never people, heard man, that. Yeah, people are just like, oh, you know, like, I know you did something. I know you smoked weed. You know, maybe you don't drink, but I know you smoked weed, you know, so why are you saying you're sober? And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't do anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I don't smoke wow. weed. I don't do anything. Yeah. I don't take Adderall. I don't do nothing. Anything is my altering, I stay away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so things like that, you know, um, I get people who get triggered. They might get triggered. They might have a relative that might have passed away or struggling with addiction and feel like I'm kind of bragging about it or, you know, it, may, it makes them feel like, well, you know, why can't you do it and this person can't? And, mm-hmm. you know, to a couple of uh, discussions about that. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's a lot of people that's getting encouraged by this, and I hope that you can take this as the same way. Maybe mm-hmm. I can talk to your relative and just give my suggestions of how it works for me. But everybody's different. Everybody got mm-hmm. their own walk. You know, mm-hmm. this is just my walk. You know, everybody has a story to tell. You know, I'm no different than you. Whether you were an addict or not, you know, I'm no different than you. You yeah. know, we just we all have our story. We all have our own walks of life. So there's two sides of it, you know, but I would continue to always tell my story mm-hmm. no matter what. You know, uh, one, it helps me. Um, one thing I learned being in the program is to always talk about it, you know, yeah. to get it out, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two, I learned very early on is that you keep it by giving it away. Mm-hmm. And I'm only nine months in, you know, for a lot of people, it's a long time. And don't get me wrong, I'm happy about that, but I'm still early on. You know, I haven't met a year yet. You know, my uh, sponsor, he's 24 years in. Wow. You know, he looks at me like a baby. You know, <laughs> he don't even know what's coming yet. You know, and yeah. I haven't had real traumatic events happen, you know. Right. God, you know, where, I mean, I don't know. You know, people ask me all the time, oh, do you plan to stay sober forever? And I say, I don't know. I just know I'm going to stay sober today. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what mm-hmm. tomorrow brings. I'll deal with tomorrow when tomorrow comes. I don't know what mm-hmm. next week brings, next month. You know, I had a situation where I got a lot of stuff going on where, you know, a lot of changes is going to happen in the next six months, you know, just location wise. And I, I worry about that when it comes, you know, right. I just got to know what I'm doing today. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's yeah. and that's all you can do. And, you know, it's funny that you say that, because I thought when I first got sober, I was married and I thought, 
well, if I ever get divorced, it'll be my excuse to start drinking by myself again, you know? And then by when I got divorced, it was like three years into sobriety. I'm like, why would I ever give this up now? This is, that would be totally bananas to like lose everything. I, my life is so much better now. I would never now won't do that. And I, someone at a meeting I was at the other night, her husband just unexpectedly died and all her children were like, don't start drinking. And she was like, what? that would be the last thing I would want to do. And so, you, you know, you kind of realize it's not, you know, these challenging moments will happen, but like that it's really not what, how you want to, you know, manage them by is by drinking anymore. And, you know, like we used to, but you kind of right. go, that's the last thing I'm, I'm interested in now. Cause now right. you know how much better it is. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get through those hard times, you know, a lot better, like emotionally, I'm more grounded than I've ever been. You yeah. know, I don't get too high, I don't get too low, you know, when yeah. Yeah. unfortunate things do happen, you know, I'm not dwelling in it, you know, I can just kind of, I can take it for what it is, you know, and kind of keep it moving, you know. And you know how you can get, you, you know how strong you are now, and getting through those things will make you even a stronger person. So it's to all, all it does is like make you better, ultimately, That's is it. to, to get That's through it. those things. You said something that reminded me of like, we had a little interaction on Twitter the other day when I said like, you know, I got some people like kind of come at me sometimes like, shut up, like about sharing your story, like, you know, and you're just like, don't follow me. Like, don't, you don't have to be listening to it. And you kind of said something along the same lines. And it made me think, you know, we, we got to remember that there's for all the, they're like the one person that we hear negatively saying something, there's probably 10 behind them who are quietly listening and, and, and taking it in, in a positive way. So like, sometimes we only want, you know, it's easy to hear the negative side of things. Absolutely. And when I, what I noticed too, just from playing ball, you know, and having some success in my life, when you're doing good, people kind of see if that's real or not. They yeah. want to see if you want to uphold that. They want to see, okay, let me see if she slipped. They kind of, I don't like to say plan on your downfall, but sometimes they kind of envy the happiness you have and the joy, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, and I understand it because believe me, I was there. You know, I would get on the Twitters and the Instagrams and I would be envious of people who who looks to be living a better life than I am or enjoying life better than what I was. Mm. You know, I would be envious and somebody might have something going on and I, you know, let me see. I won't like the picture, but I, I just, I, but I'll still follow them. You know, I, <laughs> how consistent you will be in maintaining this happiness and if it's real or not, you know, or are you just feeling good for today? Yeah, you know, maybe a bonus came through. Once that bonus is gone, or once your tax return is gone, <laughs> you know, when you go back to writing depressants. So, <laughs> like, I get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I understand it. You know, but this is real. Yeah. You know, this is a real feeling. When I first got in the program, I was like, oh man, they everybody full of shit. You know, they're not, <laughs> they're not really like this. You know, they just saying it because they have to. <laughs> Adios, you know what I'm saying? But once I got, once I really surrendered and and humbled myself to really like buy into it and mm-hmm. to actually work it, because it's one thing to say it, it's one thing to go to meetings and share, okay, that's, you know, you, I could tweet all I want, but if I'm not <laughs> working these steps mm. and really putting this work in, you know, and trying to follow these principles that's mm-hmm. laid out for me, you know, I'm not really doing anything and I won't find that true happiness that the book preach about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think when you actually work it, you know, and and and, and believe me, I'm, I'm I still have a lot of work to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But once you work it, 
that I learned is that, you know, it's real happiness and it's happiness, you know, it's, it's a longevity happiness. It's not just a temporary fix. You no, know, this is the long term. Oh, the yeah. drug for me was the temporary fix. Yeah. You know, but this is the longevity, you know, that I can, I can experience, you know, hopefully for years to come, you know, but people get on there, man. And, you know, it's, it's, I just, you know, I can't help but to laugh at it because one, I was there and two is like, man, you don't even know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, someone said the other day, it's n- it's not when I said that someone said, oh, a lot of people said it's not my business what other people think about me. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's that's true. But it's so hard to like. Oh, it's yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. I wrote some people back, you know, I hit them on a DM. I followed them back real quick and DM them like, yo, you know, <laughs> Just because I'm sober, I'm still lit. <laughs> you know, we can go at it if you want to, you know. <laughs> but uh back to you saying, yeah. like, you know, that you're young, you're you're still young, like you're like a baby in sobriety. I, you know, I was looking at your you know, I would fo- like followed you from the beginning, like when you start first started talking about it. And I, you know, the, mm-hmm. you've done there's a few articles out there where you're you no, know, you're talking about like it's like I think it was like 62 days sober or something like that. Yeah. Uh I think that, you know, where you're saying like, there's some people who have a lot longer who share their story. And I think it's really, really, really great that you've started really early being open about it because you're, you know, it's hard for people to come into something like this and be like, all I see is people with 20 years. How do I right. like That seems impossible. Like, and when you, you know, people say like, well, you stop drinking, like what's forever. Like people have a hard time saying I'll never drink again. Right. And you mm-hmm. go, so to see someone like yourself, who's who's relatively new into it, but open about it. I think that's a really good example to set. Like here are the, you know, the bit by bit, like the, you know, the two months, the three months, the six months, you know, nine months. Like, I think it's really awesome to see that example of the progress within the first year. Right. And that's the thing. I wanted to show the progression of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I want to show like, cause I think I, I did 45 days in treatment, you know, in Jacksonville, Florida. And I got out and after about 10 days, you know, uh, I posted, I was 55. My first post when I got back on social media was that was 55 days. And I didn't know if I was going to make 56, 57, mm. but I wanted to show like the process of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whether I went back and, and, and fell off or not, you mm-hmm. know, I want to show the progression of it. And, you know, by the grace of God, I'm able to make, you know, coming up on nine months, but I think you're right because it helps to see like the beginning stages mm-hmm. and where I was at, you know, mm-hmm. and like you said, you come into a program, I, say, I got 20 years and I'm like, well, hell, I can't make 20 years. I'm trying to get to 20 hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But somebody said, hey, look, I got two weeks. You know, I got, I got, four, I got, I got, I got a month now. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, look, I'm at 62 days, you know, like, and to see where I'm at now, you know, I think that I think showing the progression of it is huge just for people to put into perspective that it's literally like like that's why they call it steps. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a process, you know, and you got to take that first step to reach the mile. And so I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the slow grind. I'm a huge fan of taking steps. It's been my my thing my whole life. <laughs> you know, I've been, you know, taking the, the quote unquote long road my whole life. And so this is no different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point is that you understand the work that needs to go into something mm-hmm. like this, the commitment that this requires. Right. Absolutely. Uh, what what role do you think being an athlete and at the level you're at played 
in your addiction or your rock bottom or whatever it may be? Do you think if you hadn't been in the field you were in that your story would have been the same? Um, I think it showed a lot of transparency. I think it, uh, it opened me up to be vulnerable and it showed that I'm human. Mm-hmm. You know, and because mm-hmm. we get put on such a high platform, you know, where it's like one false move is like, oh my God, this person did this. Exactly. You know, I'm he. Like he's not human because I, look, I'm just good at a sport, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that put me on this platform where anything else I do in my life gets kind of shunned at. And so for me doing this, being the athlete and reaching that level, I think it opened up a lot of vulnerability and a lot of transparency to mm-hmm. Hey, look, this can happen to anybody. Exactly. You know, I was in treatment with pilots, you know, business owners, doctors, lawyers, you know, mm-hmm. judges and whatnot. No, this ha- can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. And we all struggle. You know, I don't think that if I didn't have that success, my story would be, I don't think it would it would touch as many people. Mm-hmm. Um or would it be the same? Because when I post off and I was talking to uh my sponsor about this, when I post stuff, you know, it's a sense of accountability for me. Mm-hmm. I hold myself accountable with my people, you know, and like, I'm holding myself accountable, but I'm also showing, hey, look, this is what I plan to do. This is this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going to do. Like, we in this together. Mm-hmm. You know, I think having the, the like, the, the status of being an athlete helps a lot, mm-hmm. you know, just because, you know, you get looked at on such a high level and so to come back down, hey, look, I hit rock bottom, mm-hmm. you know. And I usually always say I lost everything. I just kind of said, I lost everything. And, you know, I, I got a, a, a crazy story for you. You know, one of these times we hop back on here next. But <laughs> long story short, everything got taken from me. Mm. I used to say, yeah, man, you know, they took everything. And and I went to treat me with a duffel bag. But as I started working these steps through the program, I mean, I gave that away. I willingly gave it away, you know. Being in my being in my addiction and, and mm-hmm. living the way I was living, you know, I willingly mm-hmm. gave it away. And so, you know, for me now, it's just a matter of showing that, hey, look, you can lose it, but you can also get it back once you work these work these steps. You no, know, mm-hmm. no different than football. I didn't start off just the best athlete. You know, I started off mm-hmm. there were steps I had to take. There was a way I had to live and to do things to reach a certain goal. And this is no different. And that's what I'm willing to show. Like football or not, you know, at the end of the day, it's a mindset thing. You know, and like you said, it's the commitment and dedication you got to put into a specific goal to reach it. It's going to be bumps along the road, but if you stick to the script, you know, and you stay stay committed to what you really want to do and limit the distractions, you know, mm-hmm. the goal is going to be in reach and you can accomplish it. Do you think that the career, like, you know, the, of being an athlete and professional athlete, do you think like the pressure of that contributed to your addiction? Absolutely. Hundred percent. Um, because one, once I started to notice that I had a problem, I couldn't tell anybody because I was too ashamed to show. Hey, look, I go from this to this to this to this, and like, how can I explain it to somebody? You know, mm-hmm. who don't really understand. Mm-hmm. And friends and family, you know, I didn't feel comfortable enough to tell because I didn't want to be looked at. I didn't want to be judged. No, I didn't want to look like the guy who fell off or oh, man, you played and now look at you. I didn't want to be that guy, mm-hmm. you know, and it was hard for me. It was hard for me to accept. And I think the, the day before 
or two days before I checked in the treatment, I was actually running that through my mind. I was replaying the tape. Like, how can I go from third round 96 pick, you know, to the to the to the world champion Green Bay Packers, Lambo leaping and whatnot, you know, in the same huddle with Aaron Rodgers, and all these great things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So now I'm in the car with drugs and alcohol, and I don't care what happens next in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't phantom that, you know, mm-hmm. and I couldn't tell anybody that because for me, it was shameful enough. Mm-hmm. So for me to tell somebody that was like, there's no way I could, you know, I just felt too embarrassed about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going to family, you know, people say go to family and help, but, you know, I think I just had the fear of letting people down. You know, I had the fear of not becoming what everybody knew I could be and especially already accomplishing these goals. I couldn't really go back down mm-hmm. and say, this is where I'm at. You know, it was mm-hmm. either I'm here and I'm going to keep getting better and better and better. That was the, the the stigma that was laid out. You know, like, okay, well, you already got this. So now you got to just start getting businesses and start doing this and get the houses and life's going to be good from here on out. You know, but for me, it wasn't. That wasn't my story. Mm-hmm. You know, it was actually the opposite. And it played a big role, man. And just my community, I couldn't. It was hard for me to be around people that I knew in the community who knew me as an athlete, you know. So I isolated, you know, just solely off of like my name. You know, I didn't want to be seen. You know, I didn't want people to know things. And so, you know, I would put on this front, this persona that everything was good, but inside I was hurting. You know, I was miserable inside. Mm-hmm. Tell me yeah. about that night when you were in the car, and like because you, you know, that was the that was your rock bottom right like that's when you decided to reach out for for help like how did that how did that go like what did that look like that night um so that whole day i felt kind of i just felt like depressed that whole day more than usual and um instead of going home that night um i was already running errands and instead of going home that night um i did my usual routine i go get a bottle of liquor you know, and I had drugs with me and whatnot. And instead of going home, I pulled over onto a somewhat busy road where I can kind of people watch. I can see people walk by and cars walk by, so I'm somewhat entertained. You know, I put my music on in the car, and, you know, uh, and I'm sitting there and I just thought of replaying the tape and beating myself up, you know, to the point to where it's like, I really don't care if I live beyond this point, mm. you know, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to try to end me living beyond this point by drinking as much as I can until I black out or die mm-hmm. and use these drugs as much as I can until I black out or die, you know? And I just remember just thinking about my kids and how I let them down, whether they really believed that or not. That was my understanding that I had, you know, let my mom down, whether she believed it or not or thought that or not. Um, my friends and family, how I couldn't really call nobody because to me, in my mind, nobody will understand mm-hmm. what it was like. You know, for them, it was easy. Oh, you know, just go get help or just call somebody, you know, or, hey, look, you know, we're going to start. But I couldn't, I didn't want that judgment on me, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to die, you know. I didn't want to hurt myself, mm-hmm. so to say. I didn't want to, like, take myself out physically, but I wanted to die. I didn't want to feel those feelings no more that I had. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to feel that guilt and shame. And I was so upset with myself that it came to this point from having accomplished so much. And, and and it was personal for me because I've worked so hard and sacrificed so much to get to that point. And it's like, why 
like, why did I work so hard and sacrifice so much to get to this point when nothing's changed, mm-hmm. you know? And I had, um, once I got to like a half a bottle, you know, I picked up the phone and I text my program manager from the NFL PA, the player mm-hmm. associate, mm-hmm. who usually goes with, you know, uh, transitioning from life after football. And I sent her a text, but I was sending her a text. That was my cry out for help. I was sending her a text message just to make an excuse to myself, like, hey, I asked for help before <laughs> I off this bridge, <laughs> you know. And uh, I, te- I sent her a text message. Now, let me go back and just say this, that for the past five, six, seven years, her phone number has always been an office phone. And they never sell phones to office number. So I texted about 10 o'clock West Coast time, which was about – you know, what, one o'clock mm-hmm. East Coast time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I sent her a text and I said, I need help. That's all I sent was that I need help. Mm-hmm. You know, and I put the phone down, started playing my music again, and I was going to finish drinking and doing these drugs until there was no longer drugs or alcohol to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And um, she, about 30 seconds later, she, 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 uh, she calls you know, and I'm looking at the phone ring. I'm like, ain't no way. There's no way. You know, this phone is like, it's her. So I didn't answer it, of course. And so, <laughs> you know, I went into the voicemail call. Listen to the voicemail. Hey, I got your text message. You know, give me a call. And I'm like, how, how? So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I called her back. You know, at this point, I'm already crying, you know. And she's like, uh, you know, I'm still drinking. And she's like, hey, what's going on? I was like, my name's Lachey Davis-Williams. And I said, Lachey. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who I am. Like, I need help. And she's like, well, like, what? Like, like what's happening? What's going on? Like, did something happen? And I'm like, no, I'm just in the car now, and I'm drinking, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm doing drugs. And I actually, I'm doing drugs right now, you know? And she's like, okay, well, are you somewhere safe? And I said, yeah, I'm on the side of the road. She said, okay, talk to me. What's going on? I'm, no, I can't even, I can barely talk. I'm crying my eyes out, you know? And um, she just kept asking me what's going on. And I finally built the courage of the teller. And I'm like, my life's become unmanageable. I can't figure out how to like live my life. You know, I don't know like where to go, what to do. I don't know who I am, you know? And she's like, she's probably sat on the phone with me for about like an hour and a half, you know? And I heard her, her youngest son in the background crying and she's like, okay, hold on for a second. And I heard him kind of tell him to go sit down for a second and change rooms. And like, she really sat on the phone with me. You know, it's one o'clock in the morning where she was at. On a weekday, mind you, too. And so uh, it's like if I get done sobbing and telling her how, you know, this is going on and I lost everything and, you know, I'm in my car and I can't figure out how I'm going to live and, you know, I don't even want to live, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I can't talk to nobody and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like, well, you need to go to treatment. We're going to send you to treatment, you know. And I'm like, I can't go to treatment. I don't have any clothes and I need to get my hair cut and I was scruffy and I need to get – this and that. She's like, you're going to treat me. You don't need none of that stuff. You know, and I'm like, well, I got I to gotta figure something out. You know, I can't just leave like that. She's like, why not? Like, you're in a car with alcohol rating in your life. You know, like, what else is there? <laughs> you know? And um, I was like, well, I don't have any gas. And, I, you know, I'm making all these excuses. <laughs> I'll find any way not to go to treatment. You know, I just want to sob in my misery. You know, I want to feel sorry for myself and, and dwell in that self-pity. Yeah. You know? And, uh, I finally tell her, okay, you know, I'll go. 
She said, okay, when can you go to the airport? I'm like, well, I gotta go talk to somebody and I gotta go see my friends. <laughs> I wanted to get high some more. <laughs> you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to have fun you know, before I go to treatment. Mm. And uh she was just like, look, go to the airport and we'll figure it out from there. Just go somewhere where we can get you going on this journey. So I finally did it. I had my duffel bag in the back of my car. The next day, the next night, she been calling me all day, you know, where I was at. I went to a boy house to crash to kind of sleep it off. And I finally went to the airport that night, you know, and, uh, you know, I was drunk and high going to the airport. I knew it was going to be the last time for a while. So <laughs> you know, I wanted to get that last one in, <laughs> you know, I think about it now. It's like, bro. <laughs> But uh, you know, um, and I went to the airport, man, and and uh, I got a flight to Jacksonville, um, November tenth, and uh, you know, landed there. My flight was delayed, so I actually checked in late night, November tenth. Woke up November eleventh, uh, you know, sober, and that was my sobriety date, November eleventh. Wow. I love and, it. Yeah, life has been, life has been on the up, uphill every, you know, on the. It's been manageable ever since. Mm -hmm. so, it's yeah. it's a beautiful thing when you realize that that's possible, isn't it? Right. I did. I hadn't. You know, I didn't think it would be. Mm -hmm. It's and impossible. Honestly, it's really hard to believe that it's that possible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you stayed in touch with her? Does she know your progress now? Like. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, always always call her and uh, update on all the things that I'm doing. You know, we had talked for a while and, you know, she helped me out with uh, finishing up school. Mm. Um, I'm going back to school this fall and next spring. And, uh, you know, I, I had a children's book come out. So I'm going to send her a children's book. You know, she wanted signed and she's just happy. She's proud, you know. Of course. Uh, she always tell me how I sound different, you know. Uh, when I sit on FaceTime, she tell me how I look different and she's just super proud. And I told her she didn't know that story. Until it came out, she didn't know that, you know, that I sent her a text message and it was supposed to go to a phone. So I guess they changed it to where the message that go to her office phone goes to her, her cell phone. Some mm -hmm. new technology thing they came up with mm -hmm. over the year. You know, I had no idea. But she didn't know that I was just reaching out, hoping it was an office phone and that I wouldn't get a call back. I didn't want to talk <laughs> to her. You know, so she was blown away by that. And uh, I tell her all the time, like, Lachelle, you changed my life. You know, yeah. you helped me. Like you really saved my life. Yeah. You know, because you called back. You could have just waited till the next day and it probably would have been too late. Mm. You could have heard your son in the background crying, crying mm. on the phone for an hour. You could have said, Hey, I gotta go take care of my son. You mm. know, I mean anything, you know, I mean, you know, and 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 she always gave me the credit, you know, for one answering the phone or mm -hmm. calling her back, you know, mm -hmm. for telling me what's going on, going to get the help, which is true. But man, she really uh, she really saved my life. She was you know? where she needed to be for you. And, and, you know, it's, she gets a lot of credit, but, you know, I think that for her also like that to feel that validation that like, you know, had the importance of being there when someone needs you and, and that sort of thing. And I think that that's kind of like, in how you're telling your story now, like, again, you won't know how many people you help because you won't hear from all of them. But by putting it out there, you're going to be in that position too, where you're helping someone and you won't realize the impact of it maybe ever. But by doing that, you're, you're, you know, you're passing what you, the help you got from her that night, like you're, you're paying that forward now. Right. For sure. And that, exactly. And that's, 
that's the best way I can repay her is by doing the next right thing, you know, exactly. not, not letting that be in vain. Yeah. You know, by really taking the opportunity that was given and making the most of it, you know, and so yeah. far I have, and you know, I really got her to credit, man, you know, because I was in a real dark place mm -hmm. when I sent that text message. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, that's so, such uh, a beautiful story. I mean, that's that's so miraculous, like that that just lined up the way it did. Unreal. And it's, <laughs> unreal. it's funny that you say, you know, that I mean, I felt the same way is that, you know, you're too embarrassed to tell someone how you're feeling. You're too ashamed to say that, like, because you feel like a failure. Like, why can't I do this thing that we're all supposed to be able to do that society tells us we're all supposed to be able to drink alcohol or whatever, like party. And it's, you know, be fine. And then you're, you don't feel like you are, you feel like you're out of control or you're different than other people. And we feel like, like we're, something's wrong with us. So we don't tell anyone, which is, whatever, you know, you feel like your mom or your kids would think that, you know, you let them down or all these things. And it's funny, you feel that way at one point, but I'm sure now all these people are so proud of you for what you've, for now, what you've done, like, you know, in the same, all in the same vein of talking honestly about something. And that's the thing, just being honest, you know, and making the amends, you know, I have to work my step nine and make my amends. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't even about the making amends. It was about like living in it then. Yeah. Next, yeah. you know, and okay, I apologize for what happened, mm -hmm. and I plan to make the rest better, and then actually showing that and showing exactly. up, so yeah. being there, and yeah. and and for me, that's the biggest part. You know, is that I can be there now. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so that's why they're proud of me. You know, I can sit down with my mom and have a full conversation. I take my kids to school, you know, mm -hmm. I help her drive, you know, we got a handshake that we do. And, you know, I talk to my kids daily and it's just, you know, we're closer than we ever been. Right. My daughter's 14 now. And so she needs me. You know, I'll tell you a quick story too. It's crazy. Um, when I first got out here, so I'm in Houston now. Mm -hmm. I'm from Portland, Oregon, right? And so I went from Portland to Jacksonville, Jacksonville straight to Houston. Mm -hmm. You know, they told me to change my people, places, and things. And, yep. and my daughter's out, my daughter lived out here. And so, you know, it was a good look for me. I got here uh, December 26th is when I moved, when I got here. I got right out of treatment December 26th, came right to Houston. Mm. And in February, my daughter's uncle, who was stepping up being, they call him Uncle Dad, was stepping up being the father figure when I was, you know, doing whatever I was doing. Mm -hmm. He was passing away, you know, on a, a sudden turn of events, you know, passing away. And uh, I was able to be there sober, you know, and loving and caring for her in that moment. You know, who knows if I would continue going down the journey I was going from back in November, you know, to February. And that would have happened. I would have been way more out there, mm -hmm. if not dead, mm -hmm. you know. And so to be there, man, and, and to really, you know, uh, be present in their life and to be able to love on her and to have a clear mind and to give her, you know, just like the advice she needs and the mm -hmm. love she needs. That was huge. And that lets me know, that let me know right then that I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm doing the right thing. Exactly. You know, and do you talk out. openly about, you know, with your kids about like being sober and the kind of like that, you know, the choices they'll have ahead of them at some point and that sort of thing. With my daughter, I do. She's 14. Um, so I tell her, look, no, dad, dad don't drink, do drugs, mm -hmm. you know, mm 
Mm-hmm. Go a little more in depth with her. Now, you know, she she's going to high school next year. And, you know, I asked her, do you have friends who smoke weed? She's like, yeah. You know, I said, do you want to smoke weed? And she's like, I thought about it. I said, okay, well, you know, if you ever want to think about doing it, if you if you think you come to a point where you feel peer pressured, you know, don't do it, sleep on it. You know, and if you still feel that way, come talk to me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to give her some advice, you know. Um, I asked her about drinking, you know, because my family on my on my father's side, you know, they're all alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm pretty sure someone down the line is in her blood as well. Mm-hmm. You know, someone down the line, I'm trying to break that generational curse, you know, but I'm open with her, you know, and she understands enough that where we can have that open conversation and you know she can she can really take the information that I'm giving her and really try to apply it to her life because she's gonna go through it. You know, I thought it's my right. way. Yeah, you're gonna she's gonna live it. And and I think the only thing you can do is be open the only, and, and then show the example, right? That like you can live a life without it. Like and it's totally fine. It's a great, it's enjoyable, it's fun. All these things you think being sober can't be, you know, right. but right. it it actually is. You can be that example and you know and then you know, I have this similar sort of in the family, but we never talked about it. Like, you know, it was like secret, like there's alcoholism in the family, but you don't discuss it. And now like, I'm very much discussing it. So giving the kids the option, right? Like not only am I showing them an example of someone who's living life sober and and so are you, but then you talk about it too. Like, it's not a, it's not a, you know, hush, hush, we ha- we can't say these words type thing. Like, let's be open about it. Let's say these words. Let's say, talk about being sober. They're, like you have probably in your blood <laughs> the the tendency to maybe lean in towards addiction. Like, so, you know, to right. be, to be very forthcoming with it, I think is, is healthy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And like my 11 year old, my six year old, my 11 year old, he kind of knows a little more than he should, you know, but you know, <laughs> They don't go in too much detail with him mm-hmm. at, as much, you know, but he understands that I'm sober as well. My six-year-old, you know, I just tell him that, look, you know, that is healthier now. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's good. Go too much into it with him, you know. Uh, when I was going to treatment, you know, I was at this kind of explain to him, like, dad just going to get healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that's, sick for a little bit. I'm I mean, you're just, it. and you're sh- living an example and whether you, you know, it's the, the words or whatnot, you're showing, right? And that's a big right. thing. Like when we say, you know, parents you come home after a day, a hard day or whatever. And you say in front of the kids, like, Oh my God, like I need a drink. That's how like an example, just that, just that shows how do we cope with stress in our lives? We drink. Well, if we're not saying that that's already creating a bit of a better example or a bit of a a different example of how to manage stress, because we equate, you know, a long, hard day or stress with have a drink. I mean, everything is have a drink. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. When I'm happy, have a drink. When I'm sad, have a drink. Exactly. Yeah. When it's chirping, have a drink. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's sunny outside. Have a drink. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, uh, last was, question you know, for yeah. you here. Um, I won't yeah. t- keep you much longer. What if you had to? And we kind of t- touched on it a bit at the beginning, but like, what would you say if you had to kind of narrow it down? Has been the best thing about being sober. Um, I think the best thing is being able to like enjoy my life, mm-hmm. little things around me, you know, like just waking up, you know, uh, taking phone calls with loved ones, you know, and having like in-depth conversations, mm-hmm. but I'll rush them off the phone, you know, or ignoring them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I think it's building a relationship that I have with my kids, you know, and my mom and my brothers, 
you know, and uh, I can look myself in the mirror, you know, and and and, and like what I'm looking at mm. and be okay with what I'm looking at. I kind of mm-hmm. double take, like, man, look all right today, you know, kind of feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for me, it's like uh, I take a lot of pride in like the process and the journey rather than like the destination or reward, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm loving the process. And I'm loving even going through the bad times, how I deal with it is mm-hmm. like, I almost like that, you know, almost like falling in love with that. Like just, man, I really got through that. And I'm feeling these feelings You know, I can feel yeah. everything. <laughs> I can feel real happiness. I can feel real sadness. I can yes. feel real anger. Yes. You know, I can feel real anxiety sometimes, you know, like I feel it and I can identify it. Then I can overcome it and I'm able to keep going, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think just being able to feel all these things and really receive and show love is the best thing I love about being sober for me. I love that. It's so that's such a genuine response, and that's such a there's the the genuine side of that within everything you said. Where you're like, especially when you are happy, like that's what I noticed too. When I'm happy, I'm. It dawned on me one day. I'm like, I'm genuinely happy. Like there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing added to this. Like it's actually all here you know it's inside right. me it's happy and when you're sad you're really sad like and you know you get but you get through it i think and i think you touched on that too is that you go through these things and you come out the other side going oh i could do that without anything else like i could do that i did it on my own like and i can get through right. these things and you know if there's a bad thing you know that you've also felt the good and that you'll feel that again sometime soon too. Right. And it's just such a, it's the feeling of it being pure is there's nothing like it. And good or bad. What I learned too, is that this too shall pass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's the the moments are just moments and something else is around the corner. And that's, what's fun is that life's always different now. Like it was the same for a long time. It was the same, you know, numbing of everything. And now it's like, bit of a roller coaster, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but it's fun. Like there's, it's not, it's not, it's never the same. We can enjoy the ride now. Exactly. Oh, Alex, I really, I really liked talking to you. I'm so glad we finally connected. I'm so glad you were able to and willing to share your story because I think it's, you know, uh, my, why I started this was because a hockey player shared his story and being a Canadian, I have an affinity for hockey, <laughs> and, sure. but I, I think that the, the athletic side of things and athletes sharing that, you know, that this is something they, you know, that can happen to anyone. I think that's so critical of showing that, you know, and like, and you know, your, your description of the commitment it takes that to get to where you were in your sport, you're applying that here. I think that that's such a good way to look at it. So I'm really grateful to have met you today. Nah, likewise. Pleasure's all mine. I'm glad that you got the podcast Unashamed because that was a lot of the struggles with being ashamed. And hopefully people can uh, look at this and, and, you know, not feel ashamed to share their story and know that it's going to help not only them, but somebody else who's struggling. I love it. I appreciate you, Becca. Thank you so much. I loved chatting with Alex because he's so honest. He's so genuine. He's so transparent. And, you know, the truth of it is, is early recovery is hard and he's putting it out there and we're all following along on his journey, which is awesome. I wish Alex the best. I'm so grateful for this conversation. Thanks for listening. See you next time.